Welcome to Surviving Society episode swap. This week we are hosting This World Is Ours. This World Is Ours was birthed from a place of empowerment, vulnerability and the lived experiences of two black women across the globe. Paulette who is based in the United Kingdom and Whitney who is based in the United States of America. In this episode swap they explore good health and liberation with special guest Dr Blackstock. I'm Paulette and I'm Whitney and we're sharing the stories of black women beyond boundaries and borders through our journeys and triumphs. This world is ours. Hi Paulette. Hi Whitney. How are you? I'm okay. I don't have COVID anymore. Okay so first of all but you still got a little (laughs) holiday glow. Yeah 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 so we got back when did we get back? Thursday last week Thursday Okay. and yeah went to make our came back with COVID but the holiday itself was phenomenal. Yeah I'm glad that you're better. Yeah thank you. Um, My mum's from Jamaica so we met up with my aunt her mm-hmm. eldest sister, one of her sons. It was just such a nice holiday. Jamaica is so beautiful, man. It is absolutely beautiful. Oh the people, my gosh. The island. I haven't been since I was in like primary school. Mm-hmm. Fee loved it, of course, because you know. Because she was, listen, she knows what she deserves. <laughs> she she knows absolutely how to knows what she deserves. Girl, honestly, she loved it and she was really good. The only thing I was I saw the pictures and Paulette loved it too. Okay. I loved it too. Honestly, I saw you I popping your hip in such. <laughs> Where did you see that? <laughs> I saw it. Just know. All right. All right. Um, yeah, no, but you know, it's a nine hour flight. Well, nine, nine mm. and a half there, nine back. Okay. So I was a bit worried about her, but she, she, she was a Tramp. she knew she, she really was well. headed to the island like but... yeah yeah she did so so well so that's overall good. an amazing holiday that's good how you been i'm i'm good i have a lot of things happening right now mm-hmm. um period i'm in a period of transition all of the above but i'm I'm really in a good space and i'm grateful to god for that because i've needed some relief just mm-hmm. from the busyness and just demands of life but mm-hmm. I feel I feel good. Winnie, your background's changed as well. I've just noticed. Yeah, because I changed my my desk. Mm, I like yeah. it. It's bringing Thank new you. energy. Good. Feel it. Yeah. <laughs> and now for a girl, yes, you can moment. What's up, Paulette? What's your girl? Yes, you can. Some people may frown on this, but okay, I don't care because you know, Keep girl, your yes, judgment. you can. Mm-hmm. Girl, yes, you can come back from holiday with COVID and just send your laundry off to be done by one of those companies that just pick your laundry up and do your laundry and fold it and bring it back to you. Girl, yes, you can. Live your life, sis. No shame. No shame. Outsource. Live your life. I feel that. I am learning to delegate. Today, even on my emails at work, I was just like, delegate, like send this stuff. I actually did sing this. I sang a song. Okay. <laughs> well, check later for a recording of the celebrate song. The word. Come on. Oh, not celebrate good times. Come on. Delegate in the moment. The word. But I pressed on the email and I was like, yeah, P, you need to you need to be doing this. Let go. Trust people to do things for you. Yeah. Because 
you need help. And they're paid for it. So, hey. Yeah, but they're good, you know, yeah. like they're good people. Yeah. Like they Empower work. them to do it. Yeah, stop being so controlling, you know. Well, okay, y'all. Let me tell you mine because <laughs> I'm trying to grow in life and be a better person. Mm-hmm. So mine is, girl, yes, you can apologize. I had to apologize. Mm-hmm. And to a man, Paulette, a man oh, had to apologize. My. Girl, I was shook. How did it feel to apologize? Oh, girl, it felt good. At first, I was like, but I, I'm like a kid. I ain't even do nothing. Like, <laughs> why do I have to apologize? But then I started to think about it. And I was like, yeah, that's my bad. Mm. So I had to apologize because I was not, like, present. Um, We were supposed to be spending time together. And I was not, like, mentally present at all. Mm. And I didn't even mm. realize it until, like, later. Because I was doing work and doing all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, So I had to go back and apologize because I was like that was wrong with me and, and I really didn't think much about it but I could tell too that it it didn't Hopefully. land well on the other so I was mm. really a, and it wasn't like a, I'm, I apologize if you got your feelings hurt it wasn't oh, like no, that. no 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 because no. that's not the way we apologize right it's not is it so I had to take ownership of it and actually apologize and that was good for me because I couldn't just like act like it didn't happen or avoid it. And are you not an apologizing kind of person? If I feel like I hurt someone or wronged them, I would. But um, hmm. but I I just honestly I have to be aware of it. As long as I'm aware, I don't mind. Because if I actually wrong someone, it'll bother me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm definitely gonna apologize. Um, but I also can be passive aggressive and mm. just be like, oh, okay, you don't bring it up. I'm not gonna bring it up. Mm. That's mm. that's also. Hi, my name is Whitney. I'm ready to tell my story. I'm hearing it I'm, and I'm here for it. I <laughs> I appreciate you for being here for my story. It's good that you can be honest because some people can't, you know. Yeah. It, it is difficult to be honest about, you know, your traits that aren't as pleasant or, mm-hmm. you know, easy. Because, you know, with. I like to think, girl, I'm a prize. Okay. Whitney. Well, you still, you but can still be a prize. There's and, conditions you know, that come with prizes, right? You're a little passive aggressive. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. That's a whole episode. Mm. I can oh. do it. Yeah. Mm, I can share a lot of passive aggressive ways. I'm working on that though. I mean, I think that's also come with my I talk about that in therapy. Like just figuring out how do I actually uh, address things that may be bothering me. Mm. Cause I tend not I tend to be like, okay, I'll get over it. But mm. Like actually expressing myself and my feelings is something that I'm working to be better at. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Okay. I need a new what therapist. A... She's not coming back. Wait, what? <clears throat> Remember, my coming? therapist took a break. Oh, so she. I don't think she's coming back. She I quit her job. Time. I think she quit. She, maybe she Girl. listened to me say no. It was before she... Beyonce. <laughs> but it's she been a while. Free. <laughs> I I at first I was like uh uh-uh, uh tell her to come back but I'm sorry Paulette she, it is annoying though because you just sat there and just built your guts to someone I know but again. it sounds like she needed to go ahead and free yourself yeah I can imagine therapy being a therapist That's must be a really heavy. hard job right you're just taking on I'm too much of an empath to be a therapist I just take on everyone's right. shit so yeah, I'd be like, you want that. me to come over and help you? <laughs> <laughs> what can I do? Yeah, what can I do to help you? 
God did not give me the therapy job. For no, I'm really not that person. And also I'm too solutions orientated. So I'm just a bit too much like. If what, I were my we therapist, the I'd be like, so why why are you, you did, what? <laughs> what? Wait, Literally, I thought we it? discussed this last week. I thought you were going to, we agreed that you, you were going to. I don't get why you're still doing that. Like, but that's the thing for me, honestly, too, because I am that way in therapy. When I hear myself say it aloud, mm. I'm like, oh no, we're about to get this together. Like, that's me coaching me. Like, I'm in therapy talking to my therapist and she's listening. I'm like, girl, do you hear what I just said? <laughs> Well, first, just thank you for joining us, Dr. Uche Blackstock. So exciting to see you. Um, I was talking to Paulette when I was getting ready to ask you. I was like, Paulette, I really want her to come. And I was kind of telling her like a backstory of we met here in Texas when you came. I It was November 2019. And you came to our campus. You trained. You just left your job. All these things were new. And you were like, I'm, I'm doing this. I remember us going to a dinner and you were just talking about like your decision and, and how you decided to walk away from all that you knew because you wanted to fight for equity. And then the pandemic happened and I was following you on social media and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's like, <laughs> I mean, I already knew you were an expert, but I love seeing you flourish and be an expert in all the ways in the world to see you and know you as an expert how has that been though okay so that was so that was just you know when I decided to leave my job that was like obviously one big decision right to leave this academic career that I had spent my whole life preparing for that I thought I would stay in for the rest of my career right so people were looking at me like I was losing my mind because they were said, you're giving up all these titles, the good salaries, mm-hmm. job security. But the fact was, is that I was so, I was so unhappy. Not mm-hmm. only was I unhappy, mm-hmm. but, you know, I was doing DI work and I was being muzzled and stifled as what as happens often with Black folks in predominantly white institutions trying mm-hmm. to affect change. And so I actually wasn't happy. And added to that, I actually felt stuck. And that really saddened me when I thought about that, because to look at myself, everything I had accomplished and to feel stuck, Mm, you know, that was just, that was really just a mind, a mindset. It was a temporary mindset because I was undervalued and underappreciated in that environment. And I wasn't in alignment with my environment. Mm. So who I was as a person, the work that I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it, I was misaligned working in, in academic medicine. Mm-hmm. had you kind of um, outgrown it as well like where your potential was was bigger than the place that you were at that yes. time and you know what I didn't realize that until like two years later right yeah, until, yeah. I, until I left <laughs> yeah I didn't yeah. realize that until I knew I knew that I was feeling stifled I knew I was feeling like I was being put in a box mm-hmm. I knew that I couldn't do the work authentically but yeah. you know I at the same time was like, okay, well, what else am I going to do? And then I started, you know, giving these talks, traveling to academic institutions, doing grand rounds, developing trainings and saying to myself, wow, Uji, this is something that you find purpose in, that you really love and that you actually, you're you're pretty good at. Mm -hmm. So I said, let me just, let me just take this chance, take, I call it a leap of faith in myself, Mm -hmm. a leap of Mm -hmm. faith in myself and said, I'm going to leave academic medicine 
I'm going to work part-time in urgent care because I was I was academic emergency medicine. I'm going to work in urgent care part-time and the other time I'm going to work on building my company, Advancing Health Equity. Amazing. And so I left in December, 2019. I remember walking out after my last shift, feeling completely unburdened and not really feeling that scared either. Cause I was like, I just need to get nice. out of here. Um, nice. No, and, and then the first few months of 2020 were fine. January, February, I was working in urgent care. You know, I was working in my business, you know, getting clients. It was going great. <laughs> and then March, 2020, the pandemic Boom. happened. <laughs> And everything actually went sideways. And I and I and I mm. use this ex, that ex, this experience to tell people that you should always like stay the course. So mm. what happened was all my business dried up because companies were trying to figure out like, you know, what do we do now that everything's virtual? All my keynote talks got canceled, all my trainings got canceled. Right. Companies hadn't fully transitioned to virtual yet. I didn't know how I would do my trainings virtually. Mm. And so for a good few months until probably April, May, mm. I, I kind of was like, okay, a little stunned because business had dried up. And then urgent care was actually so busy because I was in New York City in the epicenter oh, wow. of the pandemic. Yeah. And there were so many patients actually that were coming to us with COVID because mm -hmm. they were scared to go to the ERs because the ERs were so overburdened. So we mm -hmm. actually got, we actually saw, I mean, there were shifts where I saw about 80, 90 patients. Oh, wow. In a 12, wow. In a 12 hour shifts with COVID, some very, very sick, some we had to send to the ER. Mm -hmm. um, and I ended up picking up extra shifts because they needed help. And I said to myself, like in April of 2020, I said, wait a minute. So I left this academic job with all these titles. And now I'm essentially an urgent care doctor. Like this is not, no, this, this is not what I had signed up for, right? <laughs> right. This was not <laughs> the plan. No, but, no, but what I did, but what I did was I noticed within the first few weeks of the pandemic, I noticed my patient population changing in urgent care. So Interesting. It, it was, you know, typically very racially diverse, black folks, brown folks, mm -hmm. white folks. But I noticed within the first two weeks, it was mostly us, mostly black and brown folks. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, no one else is writing about what they're seeing so far. Right. And I need to start writing about this. So I, so I wrote, so I wrote an op-ed how, about how I thought the pandemic was going to impact our communities the worst. Mm -hmm. wow. And so I, I wrote an, I wrote an op-ed, I sent it to Slate. And they read it and they said, the editor said, oh, actually, we would love to interview you. Okay. And so basically, they interviewed me for one of the first articles in the pandemic about racial health wow. inequities. And, and that kind of like put me on the map right. as yeah. like the person to talk to about this. I mean, but I will say, like, following you on Twitter, like, I was getting my information from you. All the misinformation was out there. I was like, no, Uche said do this. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> she's Amazing. like, y'all need to keep wearing your mask. And I live in a state called Texas Girl, where they were like, I know. You can let the mask. Uche said no. I'm like, I'm still walking around grocery stores. No, Uche said wear my mask. <laughs> Can I ask a question just from what you were saying? In the UK, we have like the National Health Service and we literally yeah. just have NHS. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah the ER so like you'd go to um A&E so what is the difference between um you were saying ER and what was the other thing urgent care urgent care yeah, right yeah exactly right so so a &E is like ER but urgent mm -hmm. care is um we typically see less critical patients it's just it's a walk-in usually there's one medical provider and there's some other um, medical staff there you really cannot take care of high acuity patients patients who are critical patients who are unstable, um, 
you there aren't you're very limited in terms of the kind of medications that you can give. So typically, uh, go okay. there if you have a runny nose and cough, or if you have you twisted your ankle. Very right. very low low acuity, low seriousness in terms of low complexity illnesses. But okay, because so but because the the ERs are being overrun, we actually had started to see pretty sick patients. Because they're desperate care. and they don't know what else to do. Yeah. So I guess we have similar, we have like walk-in clinics. Yeah. Like, like you say, mm, that's exactly. where you go if you twist Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank yeah. you for that. But I think on behalf of Black Twitter, I just want to say thank you because you were telling us like, and America in general in the world, but you were telling us like what was really happening and giving us like a lens behind the scenes to know this is actually how serious this is. And it was helpful to get because there was so much chatter and so much for me as just someone who's not in the medical field, confusion around COVID and the pandemic and what it was doing specifically to our community. Um, but you definitely gave us an insider's view that I think yeah, is helpful. And, and you know, what was so interesting about that was that I had left this job where I felt like I couldn't speak up. Not like I felt mm-hmm. like I, I, I basically couldn't speak up. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. And, mm-hmm. and then I had, transitioned into this life where my voice like my voice was important like people wanted to hear my voice and that my perspective as a black woman as a black Mm -hmm. parent um Mm -hmm. as as a black physician that was informing what I was sharing with the public right and it made me realize like yes like what we have to say is so 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 important because our perspective our perspectives are incredibly unique yeah and they need and they need to be heard and that was probably a catalyst as well for like a global conversation because we were having very similar conversations here. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's, yeah, a reminder that you don't know exactly how far your voice will reach as well, which that's is the, amazing. Well, well, that's the other thing. So, so just two things. So one in, you know, in May of 2020, when Mr. George Floyd was killed, you know, in Black Lives Matter, you know, surge, we started getting a lot more business for my company. So that's mm-hmm. the other thing. So, 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 and we've gotten a lot of business since then. So that's, you know, one thing. And I actually no longer practice clinically because I've gotten so busy with my company. Mm-hmm. Right. And so now I feel truly like I'm walking in my purpose. But the mm-hmm. other thing, uh, Paulette, with what you just said about, you don't know how far your voice is going, is that I also got mm-hmm. a book deal um, last year with Penguin Random yes. House Books. And Amazing. it was it was a really beautiful <laughs> deal. But my literary agent, how she found me was that she heard me on a radio show um, on a national public radio. And wow. she's like, who is this woman speaking? And she went, she looked me up and said, she has a story to tell. And mm. she's the only person to tell the story. Mm. So I basically have got a book deal just from, <laughs> just from speaking truth to power wow. um, about, about being a second generation Black woman physician, but also talking about the legacy of racism in medicine and healthcare mm. as well. So, but but again, like you never know, you never know, you never know who's listening. We always That's say so we're sure, pretty sure Beyonce's tuning into our podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you want to join us for the tour, we're going to be in London. Paulette's going <laughs> to. We know Beyonce's announcing tours, so whenever it happens, Soon, we're going I know. To oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, we, we were flying. Yes. <laughs> right. But can you talk to us about, you said a book deal. That's huge. Mm. I know. I can't even believe it. I can't even believe it. And actually, I just submitted the full manuscript oh, wow. um, with revisions to my editor. Wow. But 
So yeah, so what happened to my editor, my, my editor, my literary agent, she heard me on the radio. She she sent me like a cold email. And I was like, is this serious? Is this real? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, is this She's spam? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I sent it to my talent agent. And so that's the other thing. So I should back up a little. So I, so I have a talent agent. I'm out. You have a lot of agents. No, I know. You are like LeBron James. You are the LeBron James of medicine. (laughs) No, but the funny thing is, is that I have all these wonderful people around me. So my agent actually saw me on TV, I think in May of 2019. She saw Mm me on, uh, I was on MSNBC and it was a a segment where my then three-year-old came into the room while I was on TV. (laughs) And I literally was like, you know, I tried to stay composed, but I was like, they're never going to ask me back. So, but not only did they ask me back, I became, a, I became like a regular on that show, but my agent saw me and she reached out and she's, and, oh, and wow. she, and, and she reached out to me when like, I literally had like three dresses that I would wear on repeat when I was on air. <laughs> like, I, like, you know, yeah. I, I was not trying to be glamorous or anything because we were I mean it was it was a hard times mm. but but she's a black woman mm. and we actually have friends in common oh wow and, and, and so we have so much overlap and so she's represented me for the last two plus years and she is amazing and she totally like she sees me she saw me like she saw potential in me even when I didn't see it in myself wow so I, I always cool. say that um you should like surround yourself by people who really just uplift you and think you're more amazing than you think you are because they can yeah, just help you know right? what I mean like yeah, that is right so, so, so that's my agent so my like talent agent and then to my literary agent so she when she emailed me I I asked my talent agent can you just vet this woman make sure this literary agent is actually an actual person and she was and she belonged to um a really reputable agency wow. and so we started talking and we worked on a book proposal together for over six months and then she and this is the thing I didn't realize with books Real, having a literary agent is important and this is important for black authors to know because they are the gatekeepers uh-huh. they're the ones who have all the contacts at, at the publishing houses right so so she was able she sent my proposal out to all her contacts at all the different publishers and nine of them were interested in the book and the, and the proposal proposal went up for auction auction <laughs> I know. Okay, so, 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 That's but not incredible. only that, yes, yeah, and I met with all the publishers, so I got to get a feel from you them. Chose. And, you got to cheat. Yeah, yeah, and, and and so what the 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 part that was like kismet was that I talked to all these publishers, and the one that I really felt like got me, like really mm-hmm. understood what the proposal was about, that was going to support my vision of the book. They're the ones who actually bid the highest, and that's mm. who I wanted. Yes. Amazing. And, and, even if, and, 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 and even if they hadn't been the highest, I would have gone with them because with just them, because yeah. yeah, because I felt like my the editor really, really saw me and saw mm-hmm. the vision for the book. And it's been yeah, and so yeah, that was last that was last summer, and I just submitted it to her. Congratulations, so congratulations, thank you. honestly. Thank you. Can you thank tell you. us a little bit like a quick synopsis of like what the book's about? Yes, okay. So the book is using my own personal and professional experiences as a black woman and as a black woman physician, as well as my mother's, because I am mm. um, my, my mother and my sister and I, we're the first black mother-daughter legacy from Harvard Medical School. So we're basically using, and my mother, she passed away when we were, we were 19 years old, but she left a lot of writing mm. behind, essays behind, and just stories that she shared with me. So using our own stories to talk about 
you know, the challenges of being a Black woman in medicine, but mm -hmm. also using it mm -hmm. to illuminate and shine a light on racism in medicine. So I talk about a lot of things. I talk about how my parents, because of a policy called redlining, well, yeah. I'm not sure if you are, are you familiar with redlining? Do you know what? I have it, heard that, but I, it okay. would be good to tell the, yeah, the listeners, it, yeah. It's a discriminatory housing policy that came out of the New Deal in the 1930s. It was a series of public work programs and projects to help U.S. recover from the Great Depression. And so, but what this policy housing policy did was it designated certain neighborhoods, mm -hmm. those inhabited by mostly Black folks, as um, neighborhoods that you don't want to invest in. So mortgage companies were less likely to give mortgages to people, much less likely, who lived in those areas. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was, we, we know that there was a lot of generational wealth that black communities were deprived of as a result of that because they were not able to buy homes and at that that at that time that's how you that's how yeah, you generated well. wealth mm -hmm. yeah so so essentially there were millions of black folks who were not able to take advantage of you know of these housing policies right. and so we know that today a lot of those neighborhoods that were redlined in the 1930s those are the neighborhoods that have the worst health outcomes Mm -hmm. right they have right, the highest right. maternal mortality rates highest asthma rates mm -hmm. highest chronic disease burdens and that's because this legacy where when you're not able to purchase property you're not able to invest in a neighborhood those property taxes that would have been generated by owning property that goes to improving schools that goes towards the infrastructure in the neighborhood right mm -hmm. that goes to businesses are more likely to want to come to that neighborhood so basically it leads to decades and over a century of disinvestment in neighborhoods and that impacts health. So education, jobs, uh, uh, you know, green space, mm -hmm. employment, that, that that all impacts the health of a community. Yeah. And so we and so I talk about how my even my own parents had we were we we were trying to purchase property in a red line mm -hmm. neighborhood and how my parents even had to deal with the remnants of redlining right. um, in order to buy yeah. our first home. So just tying in larger issues but we're using our own personal, using your personal story to, to talk about it yeah so it's a There's memoir so much so, so, power in it. yeah so it's a memoir yeah and it goes all the way from when i'm a kid to to current day oh wow yeah i talk about my own my own experiences as an er physician in new york city mm. and how i worked in both a public and private hospital that were part of, an, uh, of nyu academic medical center mm -hmm. and and how essentially a segregated care, the public hospital essentially mm. just sees, you know, people who are uninsured, the EMS workers will not take patients who are uninsured to the private hospital, you know, mm. like really, truly segregated care in 2022. Yeah. That's crazy. This is exciting. And even as you talk some about it too, we're just thinking, so our show is all things Black women and we want to promote the very best for Black women. So we love having people like you who, are just living out and you can just see it on your face like honestly you're glowing it. you are glowing <laughs> thank you how do we help other black women get that glow but even thinking about from a health aspect though sincerely what are some things or ways that you think like we as black women we need to be advocating for our health I, I know, know we have to read the book but what can you tell us right no, now no 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 I mean I have to say like this question that question it, it, I always feel conflicted answering it because okay. I feel like, no, no, no. I feel like a lot of the issues that are at hand are systemic, systemic ones yeah. and, and need a systemic solution. Yeah. So yes. So yes, I definitely always say, obviously, when you go to the doc, when you go, to, you know, 
to the doctor or see a healthcare professional that you, you do your research. You bring mm -hmm. someone, you bring someone with you who's close to you who can help advocate you, especially if you're not feeling well, right? You bring mm -hmm. either like a family member or a close friend who could be there, a second set of ears and eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, and that if you feel that your healthcare professional is not listening to you, that you should very much go get a second, third, fourth opinion, right? You shouldn't mm -hmm. stop, right? But the fact is, is that the system is embedded with racism and sexism, yeah. misogynoir, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and so Black women, we are, our concerns are minimized, right? Our, our, our worries, our anxieties, you know, we, we complain of pain, or we say we're having pain, our pain is undertreated, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I think about solutions the solutions are in terms of how healthcare professionals are educated and trained mm -hmm. so changing right. in that um also in terms of access to care access to care you know we are among the most uninsured groups in the in the mm -hmm. US black folks and making sure that we have access to care and that it's culturally responsive care mm -hmm. as well and that we are that the care is centered in our communities so that mm -hmm. you know these ideas of these large medical centers, these tertiary medical centers, that's not what's going to connect to our community. Like we need, you know, local clinics or health health right. centers more grounded in our communities. I, mm -hmm. I think that our part that's walking towards some of the solutions. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel what you were saying on that because um, the organization that I run works in higher education. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to address racism in HE. Um, so we're kind of always conflicted with the systemic changes, but then also we sort of say in the meantime, we got to address some of the issues that yeah. come up for people now. Right. Um, right. So I guess it would be interesting to hear a bit maybe about your organization and like how you. Oh, sure. Yeah. Do yeah. Yeah. Because I, you know, it, I was, I was being interviewed like, like two weeks ago and someone asked me, what about, you know, you were able to leave, but what about people who can't leave mm. academic medicine? And I realized, no, I created my my organization, Advancing Health Equity, for, for folks who want to stay, right? Who, who make that mm. choice to stay or who can't leave. So essentially Advancing Health Equity, we work with healthcare or related organizations to help them create diverse, equitable workplaces. Because we know, especially within healthcare, that if you have an inequitable workplace, that it ultimately trickles down on the care that's provided to patients. Mm -hmm. So we go in and we do organizational assessments and program evaluations. So we interview people, we do focus groups, we do surveys, we come up with recommendations uh, and strategy for how to become more equitable. Mm -hmm. So for example, right now we're working with a nonprofit where you know, it has a lot of the same problems that a lot of nonprofits have where it's predominantly white, that work, they're doing work that's really focused in black communities mm -hmm. and they're not really listening to some of the concerns of the black staff. And the thing is, this is the thing, if y'all wanna pay us to come in and tell you what your <laughs> what your black staff is already telling you, that's, that's fine because you think that we are like, you know, independent, right. but you know, but I would basically just say, Listen to your black staff, but no, like they already we, told no, you. Told you. Told no, you. No, no, but what we use like mixed methods um, mm. strategy just to come up with you know really um, you know come up with themes that we're seeing that are happening within the organization, mm. uh, and then we do um, re reparative work, right? Like so, we do community circles, we do uh, trust building exercises, and we do leadership development as well, and help mm. them come up with a strategic plan for the organization centered around equity and health equity. And this was all birthed out of betting on yourself. Girl, yes. Amazing. <laughs> I can't I, believe I, I I still have to I still wake up 
and have to pinch myself because also oh my I'm a, essentially a social impact entrepreneur. So it's the other thing, working for yourself, you know, it's a hustle. It's still a hustle. It is. It um, is. And so, but that freedom that I have now is yeah. incomparable to where I was, where I didn't feel free. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I also recognize that I'm in a very privileged position mm-hmm. as, a, as a physician um, to be able to be able to do that. And that's not the case for a right. lot of Black women, but we want to make that the case. Yes. I think it would be great to know, like, um, even as you're speaking, I'm thinking about myself, quite honestly. I was like, <laughs> I want to do this too. This is about <laughs> me too. This is me. <laughs> but like, what are some of the major challenges so you spoke about obviously that period of time where it was a bit you had that uncertainty but what are some of the major challenges and how you kind of navigate those I'd love to hear that yeah you mean I mean being an entrepreneur mm, having yeah, left I mean, the security yeah all of the security yeah I mean even even this year you know, the economy is not doing great so there are times mm. when you know, we're not getting a lot of client inquiries. So mm-hmm. it's a learning process where I, what I've realized is even when business is really good, mm-hmm. we should still be, you know, seeking mm-hmm. other business. Like we shouldn't just be like, okay, business is great. I'm just going to like chill out for a little bit. We should still be working towards home. acquiring more, more business. Yeah. Um, so, so that's good. And then two, what we I've seen is we have a lot of repeat customers. So people mm-hmm. are happy with the work that we've done and they want to continue to work with us, which I think is important for this kind of work because mm-hmm. I'm even more convinced that like even like a three-month assessment or a few trainings, that is not enough. Not enough. Yeah, <laughs> that is yeah. not it. That's not enough. Mm-hmm. And so I actually prefer the longer engagements um mm-hmm, yeah. with with companies. But I would say the main thing overall in terms of like things that are kind of scary about being an entrepreneur is that yeah, it definitely it's a hustle. You're always learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say that this is the first time in a long time I'm, I was actually able to get my finances in order. And, and I say that, and I say that because I had, I, I thought I, I was thinking very small before. Mm. So I remember before I left my job, one of my friends slash mentor, he said to me, so are you need to write down your goals, especially like your mm. financial goals, you know, for one year, three year, five year. And I remember saying, oh, I just want to make enough to cover what I made as a physician. Mm. And he's like, what? Yeah. It's he says, deep. This is exactly he, he what says, I said. He, he says, Uche, no, no, no. He said, you got to think, you got to think bigger than that. And I was like, oh, really? And yes. Wow. Yes. That's yeah. wild. Oh my gosh, that. you're speaking to our souls too. It's so we just, deep. Our last episode was about money and finances. And we were just oh. talking through like our relationship with money and like our goals. And but you're so right. Like, why are we just okay? Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like how these organizations and these institutions keep you in a box. Like yeah. we have we have so many gifts to share the to share with the world, the public, mm-hmm. everybody, right? And we deserve we and we deserve. I mean, black women. I mean, uh, anyone. If anyone, <laughs> right? If anyone, we, you know, like we, we are the ones who deserve to be compensated yeah. Yeah. for those for those gifts, and so yeah. I, yeah. So I just feel like I'm like, wow. I actually it, it took me actually leaving supposedly secure job, mm-hmm. or, right? Because it had great benefits, isn't that? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, wow. When, when you're a business owner, there actually are other benefits, right? Yeah, like you, can, yeah. you can put more in your 401k. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's all these things that I actually learn. I've learned. So I actually can save yeah. more for retirement as a business owner. Is that the um, SAP 
IRA. Oh, oh, oh SCP IRA. You can do that, but but also but she's talking solo, about something else. But I have a solo four hundred one k. You actually mm -hmm. can put even more in that than the because okay. I had a step IRA. I converted it to a four hundred one k because mm -hmm. you can put more I love in. It. it much more in the tips and tricks i know, <laughs> and, tricks. I know. and these are all the things that you talked about earlier like the gatekeepers that they know like white people know these things and it's knowledge is transferred for generations we never had access to them mm. but exactly. i'm glad that we're getting access and we're willing to share share that that's the main yeah. thing oh yeah no, no, it has, we have to share because I recognize it's not good enough for one of us, two of us, right? Right? To be, to be doing right. well, you know. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah, not, right. we, we, that's we, not... we want all of us. We want our communities to um to to enjoy enjoy wealth in all of its forms, not, right. not just monetary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's really hitting home, I think, from what you're saying, is around the limits, because mm -hmm. you are literally limited by the structure of the organization. Like I'm now limited by the structure of my team, my department. Well, Paulette, you can't earn over that because your manager mm -hmm. earns this. And so, right. you know, you are always going to think, okay, the top of what I can earn in this role is X. But yeah, you're right. If it's your own thing, you just take the limits off, yeah. isn't it? You yeah, take the limits you off. You deserve. Right, exactly. And you say, this is what we, you know, this is what I charge, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is what I charge. Or like, if you want me to come give a talk, this is what I charge. Yeah. <laughs> the price is the price. The price is the yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to charge. You can either either you want me or you don't. Yeah. Today's price is not the same as yesterday's. After right. every, after people after Black women hear this podcast, everybody's going to go back and reevaluate. Like, wait, let's figure this out. Let me. We do need the to thumbs. make sure. Right. Yeah. No. no, but but it's also having these internal conversations with yourself, right. and I still have it. I still I still have conversations with myself where I'm mm. like, okay, am am I worth it? Am I worth? Yeah. Am I worth it? But that's because of all of this messaging that we've gotten through most of our lives, telling us that we're not worth it. Yeah, just so y'all know, then, I'm probably then... gonna cry at the end of this. <laughs> I can see the that's tears the truth. That is it's the so truth. True. Like because it's there's like someone when pays you put it. it out there. Yeah, you put it out. You're like, okay, should I really be charging this? this? And someone pays it, and then you're like, oh wait, no, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Is yeah. It gives price. you the confidence. And then someone else challenges you on the price, and you're like, no, because last right. week they paid right. it. Exactly. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, yeah, I actually had like a corporation pay me like some ridiculous amount, ridiculously high amount for a talk. But the talk was on the the bet. I took. It's called the big bet. The bet I took on myself by leaving my career. Yes. So that, that So that's to me. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Like literally, <laughs> I'm getting to. I'm getting paid ridiculously. To talk about you know me. find find you know, me and finding yeah. you know faith in myself and taking this uh -huh. leap. And I love that for you. Me too. Thank you. Honestly. Thank you. I, I, want, I, I want that. I want that for all of us. I want that for all of us. Yeah. We deserve that so much. Really I want to ask you something else too. We always talk about just our passion about Black women and being Black women. What do you love about being a Black woman? Oh my goodness! I just love. I mean, I love our beauty. We are just. I mean, and we are just gorgeous. Like yes. we are, and, and that's why sometimes I feel like I'm like, we were not made to live in this world because this world doesn't appreciate, I mean, all the beauty that are, that, mm -hmm. that is black women. I mean, how we talk, our hair, our lips, our nose, our hips, you know, the way we move, like literally there's nothing more beautiful than a black woman. Yes. I hear that. I Absolutely. Hear that. And another thing that we always ask, obviously, we've had a great chat with you and we've asked you about your job and like your your um, your career path. But is there anything that maybe people don't know about you, like interests or passions that you have 
that you could share well, with us? Well, I, I don't know if Whitney knows. It's not just a passion, but it's just an experience that I had, you know, you know, over the last few years. So as I was finding myself, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of my career, I also um, left my marriage. I I, mm-hmm. I divorced my, yeah, my, my husband, my ex-husband, the father of my two children. And I bring it up because that was a parallel journey because mm-hmm. it was a journey where I did feel boxed in, in many ways. And I think mm-hmm. also as, you know, as women, as black women, there are all these expectations of us, of mm-hmm. how we should be as a mother, as, as a partner, you know, especially, and especially mm-hmm. when we're professional, right. When we have, we have something else in our lives that also gives us fulfillment and joy. Mm-hmm. I felt a lot of this tension. Yeah. So I just feel like I just want us to be in relationships where our partners, whoever the partner is, are people who can make space for the fullness of who we are. Mm. Oh, gosh. <laughs> don't get me started. We don't have time. You have like to come back. We got to just talk about back. that. Honestly, we need Will to Will you please come that. back so we can yeah, just yeah, yeah. talk about that? Yeah, like, bring yourself huge. in relationships, the pressures around that uh-huh, and... Uh-huh. And you did it during a pandemic, you know, like when you were and, already... and it was so it was so hard. And, and that's why I think I put so much people are like, gosh, Isha, you're everywhere. And I literally was putting all of that sadness mm-hmm. and um, anxiety into that. The work, the work was giving me purpose because mm-hmm. on this other piece, the personal piece, I was, you know, ending my marriage. So yeah. I thought that yeah, I thought I would be married forever, course, right? Yeah. And then I was worried about my children yeah. and worried about it, what my co-parenting relationship would be like with my ex-husband. Mm-hmm. It was, and then we were still living together as we were going through mediation. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, as I was going on these shifts, you know, to take care of these 80 patients um, per shift. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was a lot, but... Yeah. I'm on the other side and oh, not to yeah. say it's, it's, it doesn't get hard still, mm-hmm. but I needed to make that decision for my, for myself. And, and, yeah. and I think ultimately that was better for my, my family and my children. Yeah. Amazing. Who you're so active uh, with and you love so deeply your children. I love hearing you talk about your children. Yes. Too. My babies, yeah. my babies. Yes. How are you finding your sort of new career path and parenting? And being a mom. No, it's good because now I have the flexibility. Mm-hmm. Right. I I basically I plan my own schedule and I plan it around them. So mm-hmm. I can take them to school, I can pick them up, I can um, you know, schedule travel around them. So it's just mm-hmm. now I have more control over my time, which is what I and what I always wanted. I felt yeah. like before yeah. I couldn't. And now that's why when people ask me, would you ever go back? Would you ever work like for an organization? I mean, maybe as an advisory role, but I would mm-hmm. never be a full-time employee of an of an organization or institution because mm-hmm. I love this freedom so much. Yeah. Between Uche and Beyonce, everybody's going to quit. We, <laughs> this break my soul. It's like serious. Like well, I absolutely love it. Well, what I will say is I want you both to think, if you ever are thinking about quitting, thinking I want you to quitting. think about, okay, I want you to think about like, you both could have your own consulting services. Like think about what it is that you love, what you're really good at. And I, I promise you that people will pay for that expertise yeah. and skill. We need yeah. to have a conversation because we do both have our own consult. Just okay. the energy to pour into that mm-hmm. is- um To be confirmed. <laughs> Yes, right. <laughs> Uche, it's been amazing speaking to you today. Absolutely Thank you so, so, so much. You too. It's just so much fun. 
I will definitely come back. And I definitely want to come back when my book comes out. So it should Please. be out um, yes. late, late 2023, but I'm happy to come okay. back for other, for other conversations. Yeah. We'd love that. Yes. We'd love that. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank, both. thank you so much. Okay. Amazing. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs> So this one's for me. So this one's for me is a segment of the show where we are pursuing joy and what makes us feel whole. So these are the things that we are going to do to bring us joy. Y'all don't call me out on this because I think I said it before, but I'm going to give myself some grace and more Mm -hmm. time. I am going to clean out my closet, get rid of some clothes. It's a Mm -hmm. great time to do it as we change seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm ready for my fall boot because I love a good boot. Uh, <laughs> but I'm pushing it because it's still a little hot. But I'm gonna wear my boots soon. But I need to clean out my closet so that I can really be ready and I can just give stuff away. Nice. I'm going to not comment because if you want to go back to the episode where Whitney last mentioned this, and I said you came, you came for to... me slightly, so I'm mm. just gonna. Listen. Keep your judgment to yourself. I appreciate Shut it. Shut my mouth. That's what mm. I'm gonna do. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, what am I gonna do for me? If you have ideas on what Paulette should do for herself, please <laughs> feel free to send them to our DMs. And she would appreciate sure to that. No, let's do that. That would be nice. No, th- no, I think maybe people could suggest that might be nice. And if you have time, please, could you go ahead and rate the podcast and maybe leave a little review if you can on Apple. And we think that you can. And we appreciate it. <laughs> we would be really grateful if you could. Yeah, that would be nice. And be sure to follow us on our social media handles if you are not. You're active on Instagram and Twitter. Whitney is great on our social media, guys. She's doing an incredible job. She's a guru. (laughs) That's a lot. Thank you for listening to this World Is Ours podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at World Is Ours Podcast or go to thisworldisours.com.